Hello, Mississippi and beyond. This is Parrish Alford with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and you have tuned in to another edition of the Justify Your Existence podcast. I'm joined by Theo DeRosa, who covers Mississippi State for the Columbus Commercial Dispatch, and Michael Katz, who covers Ole Miss for us at the Daily Journal. Guys, uh, how are y'all today? Doing pretty good, Parrish. Thanks for having us on. Kind of getting into the sweet spot between basketball and football, both going on, of course. Basketball kind of taking some precedence as we await bowl assignments on Sunday. I am just personally grateful that Kiffin Watch is over for at least the cycle. Uh, that's the, the as as Parrish can attest, that is a it's a it's a stressful time of year, and I'm glad that we have gotten through it. But is it ever really over, though? You know, the NFL job cycle comes around. Is uh, is Lane Kiffin watch ever really over? Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. Uh, I do believe we had a little bit of it last year. Was it like the Minnesota Vikings or something? I think like his name like kind of came up. Uh, but, you know, I, I, uh, I, I feel pretty good uh, about it now. Uh, Penn has been put to paper, so. Uh, he's he's coming back, so I'm just glad that we are we we are past that because that is always an adventure, and it was especially an adventure this time around. Yeah, yeah I, if he left for an NFL job right after all of this and all the Auburn stuff that went on, I would it would be very funny, but I would be so sorry for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would uh, it would be there is humor. You got to take humor where you can get it, uh, and and I've just seen too much, and I know you guys have too. That you know contracts they just you know they are what they are and uh you know if something better comes along a lot of guys will jump at it and lane uh kiffin hasn't uh put down roots anywhere that he's been i found it interesting and and you know we we always it seems like michael it seems like you've won a prize or something when 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 lane kiffin like retweets you or or uh or something like that and and, and so you know i i put out uh on uh, Twitter this week, just something that I found interesting. Uh, of course, we, we know the tarmac story at USC and, and how his time there came to an end. Well, that that happened after five games uh, that season, which I was it 2013? I, I guess so, 2013. Right. All right. So five games in. So if Lane Kiffin coaches six games at Ole Miss next year, then – this guy that everybody said he's not going to be there long, and maybe he's not. What's your definition of long? But if he coaches six games next year, he will have been head coach at Ole Miss longer than he's been head coach anywhere else. And I found that interesting, and and Lane responded with, uh, hey, maybe they'll keep me. Hopefully they'll keep me. And, and he put a picture of a plane landing on the tarmac. So – you know, I don't know if the the Hugh Freeze uh, social media clause is real. I mean, he kind of refuted that in his press conference, but uh, I hope Lane Kiffin never gets off Twitter. Well, did did you see his uh, Hugh threw a little bit of shade at Ole Miss during his uh, introductory press conference? Uh, it's something to the effect of like this is a, a better job than I've had before, or something like that. And uh, Lane tweeted. Uh, it was like early yesterday morning like i would respond to this but you're not going to see it because you're not allowed on social media anymore and it was just it was so good it was so perfect meanwhile mike leach is over here retweeting like pictures of old pirate ships and just whatever they had launched <laughs> at 3 a.m so completely different persona but both of them very active well his 
has Leach gotten off Twitter a little bit? It seems like it since the uh, uh, the 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 COVID nineteen and and the and the rope and and all that. Uh, uh, it just seems like he's a little bit less on Twitter since then. I mean, I, I wish he was on Twitter more. Is is that uh, is that an accurate take? I think so. Apart from the things that are clearly not posted by him about, you know, special teams player of the week. Like, I don't think he's the one posting that stuff. But the random, like, interesting fact is almost certainly him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and he comes up with some nice, random, interesting facts. What What is Mike Leach's health like, Theo? It seems to be a, a point of discussion these days. You know, we we heard him cough through uh, press conferences a lot during the year. I told uh, – Mississippi State guys that y'all are missing a marketing opportunity here next to that Coke bottle. You need that little green vial of Flonase, man, to maybe help out a little bit. But uh, never never saw the Flonase get up there in the on the table of the press conference. What what do you think his his health is like? I I heard one time that there was flu and he just coached through it. But uh, is is there anything more than that that you've heard? I mean, he did talk about having the flu at one point, kind of later in the season. I really don't think so. I mean, unless proven otherwise, I'm pretty sure that he's fine. I don't know where this rumor came from that he's going to step down due to health issues. I think, you know, people hear him coughing all the time and think he's like got six months to live or something. I doubt that's the case. I expect him to be back next year and for quite a while. I don't really see that there's much truth to this rumor unless I start hearing that, you know, it's actually not an unfounded deal, then I might start to believe it. But uh I really don't think there's anything to that. I think he's just fine. All right. Why do y'all think that uh, both these teams are eight and four? Uh, Mississippi State wins the Egg Bowl. Why is there so much more buzz around Lane Kiffin and contract and, and whatnot than Mississippi State? Or, or is that? I, I That was a question I, I found uh, from one of our readers in our Mississippi State Facebook group. Uh, you know, it was his opinion that there's so much buzz about – Lane Kiffin and talk about Lane Kiffin. Both these teams are eight and four and state wins the egg bowl. Uh, what, to, what do y'all think? I think part of the reason is that, you know, Kiffin was the one that might leave. I don't think Leach has harbored anything about leaving. Additionally, I think fans were kind of disillusioned with Leach, just, you know, his struggles in the same kind of fashion, not really being able to adapt to much stuff. They were, you know, seven and four. They weren't playing that well for a month or so. I think, of course, winning his first egg bowl, changes that of sorts, but it's not like they had this amazing offensive game plan that they're supposed to have under Leach. I mean, they scored 24 points. If not for the hand of Randy Charlton, they might have gone to overtime and lost. I don't know that it was, you know, an incredible, impressive win. However, he has beaten seven ranked teams all as an unranked team at State. That's definitely impressive in just three seasons. He's getting decent wins, but their kind of expectation this year was seven and five, eight and four. They didn't surpass that, although they, of course, did end up matching it. So until Leach, you know, has one of those 10 win seasons he put up at Wazoo or Texas Tech, I think you're not going to see quite that much buzz around him. Yeah, what when watching this team this year, the disappointment, I guess, that I felt for a team with so many returning starters on both sides of the ball, but on offense and in the experience of quarterback was that they didn't, play better on offense against the top-level SEC defenses. We saw what they did against Texas A&M and Arkansas, the Arkansas game, to win that game where the K.J. Jefferson plays or not. It wasn't about uh, 
It wasn't about K.J. Jefferson. It was about how Mississippi State played on offense uh, in that game. But in the games against uh, Kentucky and Alabama and Georgia, and it's not that they didn't win those games, but that they didn't compete better on offense there. Just one touchdown by the offense in each of those games. The Alabama game, you're almost shut out. You go to the very last play and and score against uh, some reserves. Um, What did you see from this offense this year? Yeah, just uh, like you said, against the top teams, it just really wasn't there. They had really no trouble putting up points against inferior competition. I mean, Memphis, they scored 49, Arizona 39. I mean, they were averaging a high total of points, but that's kind of skewed by some of the home games, some of the non-conference games where it was easier for them to put up points, especially on the road. They obviously had a couple drives late in the Egg Bowl that kind of changed that narrative, but on the road, they struggled at LSU in the second half. I mean, Kentucky for most of the game, Alabama until the last play, at home against Georgia even. You know, that's a really good defense, of course, but there were definitely some missed plays, missed opportunities. You just would think in year three with everybody back that this offense would take another step forward. And I guess it did a little bit statistically, but I just, I think, you know, Will Rogers kind of being about the same statistically didn't really help. I mean, you saw games where he just couldn't handle the pressure, wasn't able to be this incredible quarterback who can, you know, put up 35 points a night, no matter who they're facing. So I think just that played into it. But yeah, the offense really wasn't there, at least the improvement that people might have expected. However, the defense was really good. Zach Garnett has done a great job. And the defense was a big part in them getting to 84 this year. Oh, I think Zach Arnett was the MVP of the Egg Bowl. I, I think the uh, the schedule played out. Now, I, I've heard a lot of state fans complain about, uh, you know, toughest schedule versus the Ole Miss schedule. I mean, the schedule, when you look at the schedules, they are what they are. Ole Miss played what would be a regular schedule in the sense of an FCS opponent, you know, uh, a low-level Division One opponent, You've got the Power Five non-conference game that the SEC requires. When that game, when Georgia Tech went on the schedule, they weren't nearly as bad as they turned out to be at the time that Ole Miss played them this year. So the schedule is what it is, and it kind of exposed Ole Miss for probably the rebuilding team that a lot of us thought they were back in August. Uh, sometimes expectations change on the fly. You start 7-0 and and, and you get excited but uh, I thought the schedule really benefited State during the Egg Bowl in the sense that they had the 11 a.m. game against East Tennessee State the week before. We know they were working on Ole Miss that week. They got a got a good fast start, and, and Ole Miss, uh, in addition to having its its coach's name uh, front and center for the Auburn job that week, goes and plays uh, Arkansas on the road, a place they never play well, very cold in a night game. And so I just – that's just what it is. That's not an excuse for one or the other. I just thought State took full advantage of the schedule as it unfolded for them uh, in the run-up to the Egg Bowl. Michael, yeah, it's funny that uh, you say that. Uh, there was so much talk about Mississippi State's schedule being so much harder than Ole Miss's. But when it comes down to it, I don't really think it was. I mean, the biggest discrepancy, of course, was Vanderbilt versus Georgia, and that's obviously – that can't be ignored. But the rest of it, I mean – both of them went on the road for a Power 5 non-conference game. I mean, both of them played the other six SEC teams, including Kentucky and the other five in the West. And I just don't think there was as big a discrepancy with that schedule as 
people were thinking preseason. I think that, you know, Ole Miss played a tough schedule as they used to. And I don't think States ended up being, you know, one of the three toughest in the country as it was promote, like promised to be. Well, and, you know, Georgia comes on the Ole Miss schedule next year when the Rebels go to Athens. It's just what it is. And and as far as the Vanderbilt thing, Vanderbilt's the permanent opponent. I mean, they, they have no control over that. You just kind of play them as they're presented to you. Um, the Arizona non-conference game for State versus Georgia Tech was, you know, Arizona was better this year. But on the schedule, when you looked at it, it kind of looked like, well, they weren't very good last year, you know, and, and it turned out to be kind of the win that uh, that was expected for Mississippi State. Let's talk Egg Bowl a little bit. Uh, Michael, uh, I think Zach Arnett, like I said, dominated that game. Uh, uh, who do you think was uh, the most valuable player uh, or most valuable person uh, in the Egg Bowl? What uh, what tilted that game? Mm, that's uh, that's tough. I, I do have to uh, point out uh, I, I, I did find – Lane Kiffin's Hugh Freeze tweet, and here was the exact wording. At Ole Miss football, I would tweet at you, but I guess you aren't allowed to respond by Auburn football now. Um, just beautiful, perfect, no notes, uh, just wonderful stuff. Um, I hope Lane never gets that clause <laughs> in his contract. It's just uh, – it's perfect. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'd say it was – the the MVP if, if there's if there's the one thing I've been looking at and this has been something that I think we've all sort of looked at this year uh, I think the biggest factor was Ole Miss's offensive line was overmatched and I think that has been an issue this year and I know the numbers look really good and they're a, a semifinalist for the, the Joe Moore Award just given to the top offensive line in the country all that good stuff the rushing numbers are great. Uh, you know, the, the the total offense numbers are great. Um, but there were times earlier in the year, I think it started with LSU, where you said, is this team going to be able to protect and do what it has to do when it starts playing higher level talent? And LSU, Harold Perkins, you know, that was his coming out party. Um, uh, and he ended up having eight sacks, I think, this year. Um you know, that was kind of the first time you you, you saw, okay, let's kind of monitor this. And, and yeah, you know, they won against A&M, but A&M had a lot of talent. And you, you saw a little bit there. You saw it against Arkansas. You saw it against Alabama. Um, you know, it, 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 um, it it's – and then, of course, obviously you saw it against State, too. They were not able to do the things that they've done. I mean, surrounding for 71 yards. Obviously, that's a great job by the defensive coordinator, but – uh, that is that it's on the offensive line too for just not being able to do its job. And Jackson Dart never looked particularly comfortable um, back there. So I think for me, the biggest factor in that game was, was, was the offensive line. And, and it's something that uh, I had kind of, I, you know, you wondered if it was going to rear its head in the worst possible way. And I think it really kind of did over the, the stretch run of the season and not to say they're bad, they're bad or anything like that, but I just don't think the number, you know, you look at the numbers and the accolades, and I don't think it necessarily matched up with with the eyeball test, if that makes sense. Um, that's interesting because I, you know, they they have looked overmatched at times, yet they've managed to run the ball most of the time. And in this Mississippi State defense that was so dominant in the Egg Bowl, teams ran on, you know, at times, not the whole season. 
Uh, Kentucky did. Uh, there were others. Arkansas had some nice rushing numbers uh, against Mississippi State. So teams that like to run the ball found a way to run the ball against Mississippi State. Uh, Ole Miss never did. Uh, let's talk about Jackson Dart for a second. Um, we saw him kind of uh, struggling to find his way, I thought, uh, you know, earlier in the season. Uh, the LSU game kind of turned uh, on that interception that he threw in the end zone uh, in that game. But looking back now, uh, he didn't have a turnover uh, in the Egg Bowl, had a pretty good completion percentage uh, in spite of, of how his offensive line was playing. And I think, Michael, that uh, aside from the Arkansas game when he had a fumble and an interception, uh, Dart went three of his last four games without a turnover. Do you think he's turning a quarter, turning a corner and looks like a different quarterback for Ole Miss next year? Yeah, he he's definitely taking care of the ball better. And I think – you know, when when he committed out of the transfer portal from SC and was this five-star guy, uh, you know, right or wrong and partially probably on us, we put a lot of, you know, expectations on him that he's just going to come in and do the sorts of things that, you know, Matt Corral did last year without remembering that it took Matt Corral a long time to get to where Matt Corral was last year, uh, just in terms of ball protection and and not making the big mistake and. Uh, you know, Jackson Dart is still a guy who hasn't started a ton of he didn't he only started a few games at SC last year. Obviously, he started this year. I think he's still a teenager. I think he's still 19. Uh, he's a young guy who's, you know, kind of learned on the fly and whatnot. And I know he was here early in in in, uh, in the winter uh, or uh, for the spring semester. But uh, I, I do think, you know, there were it was going to be a tougher transition than people expected. But you look at. I know the numbers aren't everything, but his numbers are are very solid. His ability to run the ball, I think, really sort of changed this offense when they started to kind of let him loose in terms of being another option in the backfield as a runner. Um, you know, I I he he's certainly not a finished product, and I think that's probably a good thing because you see what he's done so far, and you've seen some really nice things, and you've seen some things that he probably want back. Uh, but it makes you think this is going to be a pretty good player going forward if he if he if he takes the natural progression that a sophomore does generally to to a junior. Well, I tell you what, uh, I think he may benefit the most by Lane Kiffin staying and staying in the offense and not having uh, that kind of transition and uh, you know and just working more with uh, with Lane and this staff. Where do you guys think uh, these teams need to target? in the transfer portal for a quick fix? Where do they need quick improvement? Theo, can you take that one first? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think they could use some offensive line help again. I mean, you have some older guys on that line, Travis Johnson, uh, Cameron Jones, I believe. The O-line wasn't great, you know, this whole year. I think they're going to lose Tyrus Wheat and Cameron Young to the uh, to the draft, or at least to turning pro. And I think they could do some help there, you know, Sam linebacker and nose tackle on defense. I think their secondary is very experienced. I mean, you're going to lose Forbes to the draft, I would have to figure. So definitely cornerback and safety as well. So a lot of defensive generally. I mean, on offense, you should have Marks and Johnson and Will Rogers and most of his receivers back. So I think defense is going to be the focus for State. 
And some good news uh, starting that rebuild uh, next year with uh, Nathaniel Watson and uh, Jaden Crumity announcing that they would come back. So anyway, we'll, we'll see. Michael, uh, where does Ole Miss need a target for quick improvement? It sounds a little bit like it was this past year, but I think wide receiver is going to be another one uh, it's, that they're going to target again this year. Um, they're losing both Malik Keith and, and Mingo. Uh, you'd have to imagine. I think Mingo might have another year left, but, uh, you know, I think he's already going to the senior bowl or he's already been invited to the senior bowl. So uh, you'd have to imagine that that's he's gone. They both had 800 yards. They were by far. Ole Miss's leading receivers. So, um, you know, Jalen Robinson didn't have the sort of impact that I think we thought he might. Um, Jordan Watkins had a nice year, but uh, you need other guys around them. And, and you know, given what we've sort of seen from uh, guys they've recruited recently, they haven't really kind of taken the turn that maybe we've expected. So I think receiver would probably be one. Uh, you probably feel pretty good at running back with Quinchon Judkins. Uh, the other one I would say is probably linebacker and just kind of front seven in general. Um, you know, the run defense really got exposed toward the end of the year, uh, just in terms of, uh, you know, what we saw against Arkansas. Uh, that was that was pretty bad. And so uh, I think interior defense, defensive line, I think JJ Pekis is a really nice player, but Katie Hill is going to be gone. Uh, you, you you need to kind of load up there and then a linebacker, you know, Troy Brown's a senior and, and really, you know, outside of him, it was kind of, uh, it, it was, it was, it was, it was kind of a mixed bag due to injuries and um, just, uh, you know, maybe not being up to, up to the par with, with, you know, the SEC, you have to have some like really good linebackers and, you know, Kerry Coleman, Kyrie Coleman's really good, but he was hurt a lot this year too. And so, uh, I, I think they, they need to load up in that front seven for sure. We're seeing some uh, Ole Miss players uh, enter the portal, talking about gaining from the portal. You, you know, you have that uh, the other end of it too. I don't think any real surprises. We'll come back to that. Theo, have we seen uh, any state players enter the portal? No, nobody has so far, which is interesting. Maybe they're waiting until, you know, December 5th when it's uh, legal, I guess, approved that they can fully enter it. Yeah. Nobody has yet. I wouldn't be surprised if Katravion Hargrove, the uh, redshirt freshman running back who entered the portal in like September for like six hours and then pulled out and still never played this season. I think he might be one to watch. Uh, otherwise, I don't know who's going to enter the portal. Last year, they lost a lot of depth guys, you know, third, fourth string, but nobody very important except, I guess, Malik Keith, given the decent year he had for Ole Miss. But they didn't lose a ton to the portal last year, if I can recall. And I don't know that they're going to lose that much this year. I think they're going to lose more to the draft or to, you know, turning pro than they are to the uh, portal this year. One of the things I've enjoyed about the portal, I think, is um, you, you get all these Twitter announcements now, and these these players are, are breaking their own news with that. And, and so you get these really uh, nicely done graphics and, and, and this long – uh, announcement that begins with everything that is right about where they were and, and how it's been a life-changing experience. And, and it's been so, so good, but I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the tone for these Twitter announcements, man. Everything is great. And I love my brothers. Uh, that said, I'm gone. So anyway, and we've seen some moments players, Michael, I don't think there have been any surprises uh, from the announcements that I've seen, obviously the the most uh, detailed or documented has been uh, 
Uh, Luke Altmeyer, uh, the quarterback who lost out to Jackson Dart, Starkville High guy. Uh, have, have you seen anybody uh, announced for uh, the portal for Ole Miss, leaving Ole Miss, that uh, that was a surprise to you? Not really. I mean, I think I saw Damon Clowney uh, was one of them. Um, Control Bullock, I think, was one of them. Um, th- I mean, those are guys you kind of um, expected to, to to see just based on their playing time and kind of where things were going. The one everybody was looking for but knew was happening was, like you said, Luke Allmeyer. I think we, we knew that one was coming. Uh, he handled the whole situation very well this year. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he did get the red shirt because he only played in three games. So he's going to have three years of eligibility left. But uh, no, no, no real surprises uh, as of now. All right, Theo, I know you got to jump out in a minute, but uh, you can comment on this if uh, if you can. Uh, so much talk, again, back on, on the Lane Kiffin thing uh, about the way uh, the Auburn uh, situation played out and, and how that just drug on for a long time. Uh, Michael, do you think that uh, that, that played a part in Ole Miss's last games? What Where did perhaps you see distraction if you saw that? I mean, obviously uh, – a really terrible slow start against Arkansas, far too deep a hole to, to climb out of in, in one productive fourth quarter. Uh, and then the Egg Bowl, we saw that as well. Was was distraction a part in these games? I mean, yeah, Lane talked about it himself uh, after the game in uh, an interesting uh, sort of – uh, he, he had some things to say about the report that he was leaving and whatnot, and that he had to hold a team meeting because there was all this noise. And, you know, if you're thinking about, you know, 18 to 22, 23 year old kids, um, who wouldn't be a little bit distracted by all the noise? And I know as much as like you try to say that we don't hear, we don't hear it or we don't pay attention to it. Like it's everywhere. Uh, it's uh, it's all anybody's probably asking you about from your family, friends to people around campus and all this stuff. Uh, I, I imagine it's probably got to take a toll on you. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Arkansas played really well that game. There's no doubt about it. And as the Mississippi State, but uh, this was not the same. It did not appear to be the same level of engagement from from Ole Miss uh, in those games compared to. You know, we saw the game against Alabama. That was a team that wanted it so bad. And that was that was really emotional and whatnot. And it it didn't necessarily have that same energy. And it's not to say they didn't care or anything like that, but uh, you know, it, it's 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 not hard to imagine that, you know, maybe your head is somewhere else during that week. I imagine that's that has to take a toll on you. I don't think there's any way it doesn't. I think State pointed to that too. The inside receivers coach Drew Hollingshead after the game uh, tweeted at the reporter who, you know, broke the lane to Auburn rumor and said, where can we send you your game ball? So I think State knew that uh, maybe this was affecting Ole Miss and obviously Kiffin did not leave for Auburn, but it might have played a role regardless. Yeah, same like uh, I saw uh, Mississippi State President Mark Keenum's wife, uh, mentioned something like that on, on Twitter as well. So uh, John Sokoloff at WCBI getting a lot of uh, uh, attention last week. Uh, that that was uh, – it was all interesting. And, and again, that's uh, uh, Lane Kiffin on Twitter, man. You, uh, you know, there's like no rules. 
<laughs> you know, you don't uh, don't know what uh, what you're going to get there. So, uh, one more thing, guys, before we wrap it up here, uh, Hugh Freeze at Auburn, is it the right time for Freeze to be back in the SEC? What do y'all think? No. All right. You want to yeah. go a little deeper? Yeah, he's just had a you know a pattern of problematic things. All the stuff coming out from Liberty, from before that, from his days in high school. Of course, you know what happened at Ole Miss. I just don't know that this is the person that should be leading an SEC program again. And Liberty seemed like a good fit for reasons I won't go into on this podcast. But I don't know that he's the right guy for Auburn. But I guess we'll find out. What uh, what came out at Liberty other than him contacting uh, the the lady in support of uh, Ian McCraw, which was you know kind of uh, you know that 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 was uh, not not a good move. But uh, I, I don't know that that would be enough to keep me from uh, from hiring him. Um, I just think he's done his time. You know, it's been six years. I, I don't I don't see anything else that's been really reported or public uh, from from his time at Liberty. Uh, Michael, you were a yes. He's done his time guy there. What's, what's your thinking? No, I was a, I was a no, they should well, not. Also no. I thought you said yes. Yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, I, I, in the same way with Theo, um, a lot of skeletons in the closet and, and just even based on the reaction from Auburn fans and people around that program, like they're split on it by most accounts. Uh, you just look at like what Auburn has been recently uh, with even with hiring Harson that was fractured. Uh, I, you know, I've heard that firing Gus, that was, that was, that was not everybody was, was into it. And so, uh, you know, I can't imagine this is going to be any less of a lightning rod and just based on everything that has happened with you and the things that he's done and allegedly uh, I, and the things that have been reported on him, I, I just don't, um, like Theo said, I don't know if that's the guy you want leading your program. Well, he obviously was not a unanimous hire at Auburn, but I'm I don't know who uh who gets the unanimous vote there uh at, at Auburn, you know, maybe if they hired Nick Saban, I don't know. Uh, but I think he's done his time. Like I said, I don't know the the I haven't seen anything else really public come out about him, uh, you know, at Liberty. Um, and he made a comment uh, in the press conference that uh, you know everybody deserves a second chance. Everybody in this room deserves a second chance. I don't know that I would go that far, but I look at uh, I look at Freeze and what he was fired for at Ole Miss, and it's uh, it's terrible that uh, you know a person who would be uh, charged with leading young men and you know and and whatnot would get caught up in you know with escorts and that sort of thing. All right, but I, I see that differently as I see, for example, the Baylor situation uh, where you have all of these sexual assault allegations and they're mishandled or covered up or you didn't know about it. None of that's good. You, you Either you mishandled it, that's not good, or you covered it up, that's not good, or you didn't know about it, okay? That's not good either. You're in charge of the program. So uh, to me, that's more of a safety issue when you don't handle a program correctly in that way, uh, as Art Riles uh, was in charge at Baylor during that time. So I don't know. I, I tend to, uh, to to lean to 
uh, Hughes done his time, and uh, and we'll see. I, I'm for second chances. I'm not for third chances. Uh, so we'll see uh, how all that goes. I do think that uh, I think Auburn's going to be a, a better football team with Hugh Freeze there, and we'll see uh, uh, if that uh, if at the end of the day that works out for everybody. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, where we talk Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and the SEC for Theo DeRosa and Michael Katz. I am Parrish Alford. Thanks for being with us.